Welcome to episode 273 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Michael. I'm Jill. And I'm Ryan. On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're celebrating five-year anniversary of Twill. This week in Linux has turned five years just yesterday, and we're going to be discussing some hand-picked hot topics that this quarter had for Linux and open source. If you've been wanting to know what Twill would be like with all three hosts, this is your week to see. Then you're going to talk about an opportunity to build your career in Linux and open source. Plus, we got our tips, tricks, software picks, and all this and so much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. Before we get started with the show today, I just want to give a quick reminder that we have a new channel for the Destination Linux podcast. If you have not subscribed, be sure to do that so we can get more subscribers on the channel and get more features that the channel requires to have more subscribers to get them. So yes, do that. You can go to tuxdigital.com slash subscribe to get all of the details about how to subscribe for the various different channels because it's not just DL that's a new channel. It's all of the shows have their own channel. So be sure to subscribe to everything. So this week we are celebrating the past and I wanted to bring back a segment we did a long time ago this is the segment where we used to ask each other, if you go back, those who've been with us for the 273 episode ride, the show would start out and ask everyone, how's their week been? What have they been up to? So we're going to bring this segment back this week, but we're only going to do it one person at a time because otherwise it'd go too long. And then Michael complains about editing and la la la. <laughs> and we are celebrating Michael True. this week after all, because yes. five years of doing This Week in Linux is absolutely awesome. And if you notice Michael's a little strange this week, it's because he was fed ice cream yesterday, which I highly recommend yes. people don't feed Michael after midnight or give him ice cream. But to get back <laughs> to the segment. I'm editing most of this stuff out, so you can't tell. You that will that's, not. Okay, maybe. You're going to leave it in. It will be in there. So Jill, we wanted to start with you, of course. What have you been up to in open source in Linux this week? Okay, so I'm doing so so much in the world of Linux, but I decided to talk about something we have all waited for. I talked about buying a new GPU for my broadcasting rig when prices came down to MSRP in my Destination Linux Studio tour last week. Well, GPU prices are finally coming down. I've seen it. It's amazing. <laughs> yes, and I'm going to wait a few weeks till we hit MSRP. Actually, some cards have already hit MSRP. Yeah. And hopefully then I will be ready to buy. I need to buy two new GPUs. One to replace my AMD RX 580 8 gig in my broadcasting rig and another as an upgrade to my GTX 1080 Ti 11 gig in another gaming content creation rig I use, in fact. <laughs> now, are you going to go AMD with both of your GPUs that you're going for? Are you going to do one AMD and one NVIDIA or what's your goal here? I want to do do both. And part of that is is I need CUDA for some of the applications that I use. Yep. And then also for game testing, because I like to test when, when we review games here on Destination Linux, I like to test on both GPUs, uh, AMD and, and NVIDIA. That is and hopefully yeah. soon Intel. <laughs> yes. So Jill, it's interesting you bring this up because I started to notice the prices have dropped and I actually started to notice GPUs being in stock. Like Best yes, Buy had some, absolutely. Walmart had some, they were there and I could actually click add to cart and I was kind of shocked. They're not fully down to MSRP, like you said, but they've yeah. dropped hundreds of dollars within yeah. just this past week, which is really exciting to see. 
But when I was looking at buying a new GPU, because I was like, oh, maybe I'll use this as an opportunity to upgrade again, I started thinking about Intel. And I really want to wait for what Intel's flagship's going to be <laughs> and spend my money there because Intel has been such a longtime supporter of Linux. AMD has come around recently to be the one where we have those drivers yeah. kind of built in, but Intel's been there from the very beginning. And I really want to support what they're doing. They have some new leadership in there. You know I love AMD. I love Lisa Sue, but I'm always excited about yes. the competition between both uh -huh. the companies. And having a third GPU out there, a serious contender for the desktop, to me, is very exciting. And even oh, if it's not absolutely. as powerful as the most flagship AMD or as powerful as the flagship NVIDIA, but it's still good enough to do some gaming and things, I'm excited to get my hands on it. So I think yeah. I'm going to wait for the Intel, but it's been hard because the prices <laughs> are dropping and finally seeing them in stock. I just have this need to just like want to click add to cart to make sure it actually works and it's not an April it's, Fool's joke or something. It's hard. I have planned for next year to definitely get an Intel one. I've heard the numbers are really good on those uh, and they outperf are outperforming AMD and NVIDIA. So I yeah. am looking forward to that. But yeah, one of the things I'm having is right now, problems I'm having is my GTX 1080 is starting to have some issues. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of need to replace it. And I've been wanting to put a new video card in my broadcasting rig, and I can't wait for another year or so on the yeah. Intel one. But that'll be next year. <laughs> the depressing part is I bought uh, right when the price is 6700 we're still really high. Yeah. And so now I see the prices coming down and I realized how much I overpaid for that. Now I bought mine at on the shelf at a micro center. So it wasn't yeah. as bad. I didn't buy it from any of the scalping. I refused to, but it still was high over MSRP. So now it's going to be depressing watching the value of my card <laughs> fall I know. down to so normal price. Cause I think it was probably worth about $400 MSRP and somehow now, you know, it was up there in the seven, $800 range when I yeah. picked it up at a retail store. So I'm looking at the Radeon RX 6800 or 6900 XT with 16 gigs because I want to upgrade oh, yeah, from that eight gigs. Yeah. yeah. And but what what's interesting is the 6800 I found for $1,049.99 and the 6900 I have found for $1,149.99. I mean, at that point, what's 100 bucks, right? Yes, Just, exactly. Yeah, go ahead and get the 6900. <laughs> and and the MSRP on the 6900 is uh, 999 a 1000 bucks. So it's actually, that is really close to MSRP. Yeah. It's <laughs> so nice to so see we're finally see coming out of this GPU shortage realm here. Yeah. And hopefully all of these prices start coming down so people can get GPUs again for their desktops. But that's exciting, Jill. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you get. And I yeah. can't wait till next year when we both grab some <laughs> Intels up. Michael probably too. I think Michael's going to grab I an Intel. I do need to go. My, my, yeah. Mine is not super old, but it's a couple years old. So I do need to upgrade at some point. I've, I've gotten to a few bottlenecks and stuff like that where I had to mm. get a laptop to do some of the stuff that it offloaded. And I'm looking forward to the time where we can actually get GPUs that are reasonably priced again. So uh, I will Maybe be putting I'll it Maybe I'll send online. you my card and then i'll upgrade and then you'll have a newer card oh there you I go i said you my 6700 i'll buy 6800 and then we do it that way or wow. you keep the 6700 and i'll <laughs> buy the 6800 no i yeah. don't like that plan that if plan i have a better good. hardware than you that would be fantastic that would be sacrilege. especially for hardware podcast it. where i could just show you that i'm no longer the padawan you become the padawan 
Okay. Right. Let's try it out and see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see that. So I've been I've been checking Amazon, Newegg, and some other deal sites that I I check every day, and it's really nice. I'm getting notifications: forty dollars less, fifty dollars less. I'm like, yay! It's finally the tides are finally <laughs> yeah. turning there. That's awesome. <laughs> well, let us know as soon as you get your new car, Jill, because we want to hear all about it and see some videos too of you playing some awesome like portal and with your amazing screens yes. and stuff with it. <laughs> Sometimes I get these new cards and I still want to play the older games and I just like to put on the frame per second counter in the left hand corner just to be yeah, like, yeah, just to see, yeah, doesn't change anything. But yeah, a thousand frames per second, completely yes. unnecessary, but I love it. <laughs> can't even tell the difference because the monitor can't do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this week, we also have some community feedback and it comes from Bertel who writes us to say, dear Destination Linux team, I love the show. I'm writing in regards to the remarks about GNOME's lack of traditional system tray. So this was a couple episodes ago. So yes, while GNOME is a desktop environment, also has taken a degree of inspiration from mobile interfaces where we don't have traditional system trays. The idea is that this corner is not a place to get information about currently running software. It's a place to find out about your hardware, how much battery life do you have left, how loud is your sound? Is Wi-Fi connected? And how bright is your display? To put apps in this corner creates inconsistency and adding official support for system tray reopens the door to GNOME apps, also adding additional clutter to this corner or some other corner of the screen. I understand this is an inconsistency that other desktop interfaces have and lack support creates a problem for cross-platform apps. I don't intend to change your minds or your preferences. I just want to point out there are clear reasons for the approach GNOME has taken, and I personally am glad they have stuck to it. Wishing you all the best. Continue to keep those penguins marching. Warm regards, Bertel. So the first thing I want to say is this is the nicest disagreement letter I think we've received perhaps ever. (laughs) Right. Like, I really, Bertel, appreciate the fact that you disagreed with such uh, kindness in there, and that's refreshing Mm -hmm. to see, because it's okay to disagree with us here. We don't take offense at that. Unless your disagreement email calls us a bunch of names, which we've gotten those two, but yours didn't, and I appreciate it. And this thing is called discourse, and some people probably need to look that word up. But in any case, I really Mm -hmm. like this comment. I don't agree uh, with the idea here that this is by design a better design than what's already out there with other desktop environments. Sure. But there are people tell that share your exact same feelings and and like the fact that that's gone. So I guess in the end, it's one of those things where either GNOME team will decide they're going to change it or they won't, but it's definitely something I hope they change or have a toggle for. So they meet the best of both worlds. It's like the soft taco and the hard taco world. Why can't <laughs> yes. we have both? Why can't and we you have can both? You can have a toggle. If you don't want the clutter up there, you just toggle it off and you're good. I, I still want to see it come back. Though. Exactly. I also wanted, I appreciate the, the the feedback and the email. And also, again, I want to reiterate what Ryan was saying about how this is one of the nicest emails we've gotten in a disagreement factor. And Mm -hmm. uh, so thank you for that. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to comment on what you said about the mobile notification thing with the system tray and the phones. And that's true. They don't put stuff in the top right of the phones, but they do put it in the top left. So some applications will sit in your system tray for the notification tray for the entire time they're running for being able to get access to stuff. I have seen that pretty much every day because I have three or four apps that do that. So there are times where you can go into the notification tray and accomplish the same thing that a desktop system tray would do. Now, I do think that it's interesting that you you don't like the clutter on the, the system tray. And depending on the size of your screen, that could be a case where that it could be annoying. But the difference between a mobile approach and the desktop approach is that there is a lot more screen real estate for a desktop than you do on a 
um, phone. So they have to compensate in certain ways. So I think that the approach to doing a system trade that the way that Plasma does it would be fantastic for GNOME in the sense that you have a system tray. You can choose to put stuff in the system tray like you would normally, but also have a drop-down hidden section where you can just hide away things you don't want to see on the system tray. That gives you the best of both worlds, and at the same time gives you the, uh, if you want clutter on your panel, great. If you don't, also great. So it accomplishes the same approach, and I would love for GNOME to introduce that sort of thing because I think that there are many benefits to having a system tray like we talked about previously especially with the applications you cannot close very important to be able to close those applications but i also agree that could be done in a better way so hopefully they they introduce something that is similar to plasma because i think that the way that gnome looks and feels and workflow and everything is quite good and that's kind of like the one one of the big main missing pieces that to make gnome a more all-around fantastic desktop yep yeah, and I agree also with Michael and Ryan. Thank you so much again, Bertel, for your friendly discourse on the topic. But I would also like to point out that um, if you would like a, the system tray back in GNOME 42, you can actually install the case status or app true. indicator GNOME extensions, and that's easy to do. <laughs> that's true. I, I just want them to have it by default because a lot of people don't know yeah. that their extensions even but exist because they're not easy true. to set up in the first place. You <laughs> yeah. Know? It it's not pain. like there's a wizard that walks you through it and which one you need <laughs> or even realize that you're missing that feature. Right. Again, I love GNOME. I've been using GNOME on all of my systems. It just kind of, I don't know, grew on me and I can't get away from it. I, I just like a lot of the features. I love the workflow. It works for me. And like Michael says, I don't change anything in my desktop environment ever. So GNOME has lots of very nice and clean defaults that really work. And that's the one feature uh, that I want to have back. But again, it's okay that others don't. And that's kind of the whole point of this uh, email and discussion is uh, friendly discourse. Really appreciate it. And there are a lot of opinions out there on this topic. And if you want to share some of those opinions, we love hearing from our worldwide community. What we want you to do is get your official DLN mug, fill it with some coffee or bubbly, sit down on your nearest stool, or if you're an adult, a chair, and send an email to comments at destinationlinux.org. I saw you look down on your edit keyboard, Michael. Don't you edit the stool <laughs> comment out. Don't I do it. I would never do that ever. Aww. Oh, he's looking at it again. <laughs> Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Don't like that sound, Michael. Okay. No. It's wrong. It's Perfect. so wrong. And if you want to join the community discussion, then join the DLN community forum by going to dlnforum.com. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams get back to doing what matters most building world-changing apps that grow your business. DigitalOcean also offers predictable pricing. You can actually be consistent to know what you're going to be paying, which is very important, and not all the providers kind of do that. So the other thing that I love about DigitalOcean is the amount of documentation they have, the amount of tutorials they have, thousands and thousands of things that you can check out to learn how to do cloud management and how to do a lot of stuff. I even use it for desktop things sometimes because they're just that good tutorials and they keep them updated, which is just another fantastic reason to check out DigitalOcean. And also DigitalOcean will support your team, whether you have a team of one person or a team of a thousand people, DigitalOcean's simple, powerful cloud computing can grow with you 
So do check out DigitalOcean if you are at any point we need to do collaborations and stuff like that. The new team system is just awesome. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you sign up at do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform at do.co slash tux2022. I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. You know who else we want to thank? Michael Tanell, that guy right there, Michael. Yeah. We want to thank you for delivering good news on your weekly show this week in Linux nearly every Saturday for five years. <laughs> you've been delivering the news. You're welcome. And so, well, this week we've selected some news headlines that we think the hosts might have a hot take on. And we're doing a mini twill on DL as a way of yeah. paying respect to your five year anniversary. We're going to see if me and Jill combined with you would make just the most amazing twill experience or whether we should hand that honor back to you. We'll find out in the end here. Hopefully for me that it doesn't, it's not better than the twill show. Cause then we have to worry about what we do after the fact. Cause who knows? Well, don't worry. I'll mess it up. Don't worry. You don't, you don't have to worry about that, Perfect. my friend. Perfect. So I feel like we need you to introduce the topics, you know, for us, like in a twill style. And then from there, me and Jill will add our input into these discussions. What do you think? <laughs> okay, sure. Let's do that. Why not? So cool. let's first start off with a topic that I've covered on Twill in the past, but I'm really interested to see what your take is going to be on this. And that right. is the new logo change for Ubuntu. So Ubuntu has changed their logo only a couple of times. So they first did it in 2004 with their when they first launched the company and the and the distro. Then they changed it in 2010 where they made it a sim similar style but more modern. And then now they've changed it significantly in 2022 in terms of how they do the shape of the circle of friends because that's what it's called for those who don't know. The symbol that they refer to that is called the circle of friends. And they've also changed it to have a more blocky approach and also, instead of doing an under uh, a lowercase u for the starting of Ubuntu, they now have an uppercase u that kind of makes it the same height as the symbol. So I am curious what your thoughts are on this new logo, as well as the, re the reception from the community related to this new logo. This is why we can't have nice <laughs> things in open source. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw this topic trending and, you know, I go through the news to see if there's some relevant things that we bring into the show every week. And when I saw this logo change, and then I saw the comment sections regarding the logo change, I was just, I was unbelievably shocked. So I saw comments like, it's ugly and garbage, it looks like the bottom of a trash can, it's dumb, it's awful, it's some of the worst I've ever seen, and all these comparisons that were just, and I was like, really over a logo? <laughs> Who cares? At the end of the day, like if they wanted to make it, I don't know, a big M that looks like the McDonald's symbol, I don't care about Ubuntu's logo or Fedora's logo or anybody else's logo because one, I don't own the company. Two, I don't work for them. And three, it's a logo, people. I feel like the community needs to come together to tackle real problems. This is not a real problem. I think the logo looks fine. I dig kind of some of the things that they were trying to do to make you know, it looked like the heads weren't leaning backwards because it's supposed to be like a circle of friendship. Like, I get the concept when I read it. It looked good. It's a logo. Who cares? 
That's yeah. my hot take. It's, it's a logo. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. for the well, most part. It, it was time for them to do a refresh of the logo. It had been many years. <laughs> right. So I actually like the logo. I think it's really nice. The circle of friends motif graphic, graphic is still very present, but it is much tighter and more unified. And so now, actually, the three people, the circle of friends, are embracing or hugging with their heads inwards. Instead of outwards and holding hands like the previous local. It's like how the three of us are going to hug when we yeah, meet at, at in person. Skill, at and then we're also make sure we're going to have someone with a camera that's like on a stick that above us so we can make a circle. Yeah. Of we can make then a we circle could be the logo. We could be the Ubuntu logo. Exactly. Perfect, Ryan. I yes. love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And also the logo is now on the bottom, yes, of an orange rectangle. And to me, this new logo embodies a more modern representation of Canonical's growth in the cloud, AI, and the Internet of Things. And this is speaking, you know, of an artist looking at the logo and the, the feel that, you know, I get from it as an artist and what they're trying to communicate with the logo. <laughs> yeah, and I think that really means something coming from a professor that does this type of stuff. For a living. So yeah, I think Jill's take on it is, is pretty good. And I, look, I get some people won't like it and not like it. That's not the point. It was like the people who like disagreed with it, but were so angry about it in their tech. Yeah. Like, it, it's fine to be like, hey, I like the old one better or yeah, whatever. I've seen that, people who were reasonable problem. about it. They were like, yeah. hey, I don't really like the 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 rectangle. It's kind of tall and I don't get why it's there. And, and those kind of responses are like, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's not a, a huge problem there. But I do think that the idea that people are like losing their minds over a new logo, it's not <laughs> that bad of a logo. In fact, it's actually yeah. kind of good. Like I like yeah. the new style of the Circle of Friends, not because of the whole they're embracing each other thing, uh, because I never really even paid attention to that. I know that they explained that in the, like the first version of it, and they always look like they're holding like they're holding hands and spinning around in a circle like mm. you would in a movie kind of thing. I get yeah. like that's why, but. I think this looks better for a couple of reasons. I think it's way more the the tighter approach to the design is a smoother of uh, feel like Jill was talking about, but I also think for me as a designer who uses logos in variety of different ways for different art that I use, I kind of did not like the older versions. Like the 2010 one was okay, I could kind of deal with it, but the first one was so awkward to kind of like center, like you can't center that logo because there is no like no proper center. So it just looks off when you center it. And this new one perfectly like lines up with a good centering. So I think this is a very, a very good change overall. And I do agree, Ryan, that people kind of, it's it's just yeah. a logo, you know. <laughs> the logo. And we've already spent too much time talking about a logo. True. So that's it. That's our hot take <laughs> on the logo. Michael, roll us into the next news story. <laughs> good news this week. The good news. <laughs> All right. So the next topic we're going to be discussing is there's a little bit of drama in the Linux world right now, and that is the changes that are happening around elementary OS. So there are some changes that are happening with the leadership around elementary. So uh, Cassidy James Blade has now left the elementary project and is now uh, being is now uh, fully controlled by Danielle Foray. And this is there's a lot of hot takes around this conversation, and I think that there that it's definitely interesting, but I I kind of feel like I see the side of both, like the value of that both were thinking about, like well, that's a positive for both one going to work with like GNOME and Flatpaks and stuff like that, and then the other one to focus on improving elementary. I think that there's you know a lot of people are acting like this is a a, a detriment to elementary, and I don't feel that way at all. 
Yeah, the question that I keep seeing people put in articles or even YouTube is, is elementary dead or elementary is doomed over this? And number one, I don't think so at all. I think Danny is fully capable of leading elementary and being able to take some of the innovations they've already done to the next level. The team at elementary has done an amazing job over the years. We talked about this a few episodes back of the fact that I love what they pushed for for trying to get money to developers of packages through their store and things. Not everybody agrees with us on that, but it's something that I find very innovative and something that the community desperately needs. In fact, we're probably going to be having a developer on that that works on an application in the near future that's going to talk about that journey of trying to balance their work life their personal life and also be able to create open source apps on the side and the issues that that creates in there. So elementary was trying to do something to solve that. I think it's one of the distros that we look at when we say, what are some of the most beautiful distros in Linux? Elementary is one of the ones that come up and a lot of people talk about because it's so well designed. It comes from a designer's approach in my opinion. And so there's so much with elementary that I love. I think And I hope that this project has a very long future. I don't want to comment on all of the discrepancies and things going on, because to me, that's between Danny and Cassidy to kind of figure out. And I know the public likes to get involved in that stuff because these companies are very public. They're open source, they're community driven. Um, But I just don't feel like I can really have a hot take on that outside of I hope both of them get what they need out of the company that they've worked hard to build together. Uh, I do think elementary needs a PR manager, though. One of the things that I I will say a hot take on is elementary has not been the best known for some of their commentary and things and the way they respond to community. And I I know that it's hard because community can be uh, very aggressive sometimes in their comments. And we just talked about it with the Ubuntu logo and things. So sometimes it's best to separate those things and have like a PR manager or somebody handle that so that it doesn't negatively reflect on the overall project. But outside of that, I love elementary. I hope it has a really long future. Yeah, that's an interesting point, and I do think that that's a you know something they should consider. But I did want to say that uh, there was a lot of people talking about how I understand why some people would be thinking, you know, is this the end of elementary? It's definitely not. Just because one person leaves the company slash project doesn't mean that it's going to be dire for the rest of it, right? But there was also a lot of people talking about on articles about saying the founder of elementary is going away. Danny is the founder. So that's not right. that's not really accurate because Danny was inclu- was involved in the creation of Elementary when it was a theme project. Then it was also a theme slash icon project, and then years later it became a distro. So I was paying attention to it when they first started doing everything in the project itself, and I don't remember exactly when Cassidy joined the project, but it wasn't it wasn't a founder status for sure. But the the way that it kind of made people confused is that Elementary Inc. was founded with with Cassidy and Danny. So this created a kind of confusion for people saying that the founder of elementary Inc, which was one of the founders of elementary Inc was leaving the project and people were kind of associating that to all of elementary. And I just wanted to clarify that because the, the person who has kind of been the backbone of it, the driving force around elementary's design cro- uh, process. And this is the policies of that they've been doing overall for the many years the project existed is Danielle Foray. So that person is still involved. So I would point out that it's still at its heart and soul is still elementary. Yeah. And I will mention too, that she did an amazing YouTube video going through a lot of the community feedback and some of the questions 
people have on April 1st. So go check that out. Gives a lot of direct answers to a lot of these questions, but also talks about the future of elementary Mm -hmm. and some of the things that she wants to see changed. And all of those things, I was like, yes, yes, yes. So I, I think that this is an exciting chance for elementary to go through some evolution with itself and become even bigger than potentially it was in the past. I've always loved elementary OS for its innovation in the Linux community, just like uh, Michael and Ryan were talking about, you know, setting up donations to developers in the App Store. And we all all had agreed here on the show that all distros app stores should include the ability to donate to developers so easily. (laughs) That's definitely something that that needs to be in the community. And I've actually installed elementary on one of my older ThinkPad Edge laptops and have kept it installed and updated because I love the buttery feel and ease of use of their Pantheon desktop manager. I think it's brilliant. (laughs) And I just wanted to say regarding Michael contacting Danny from elementary, you rock, Michael. That is why Twill is five years old. That is one of the things I really love that you do, Michael, is that when we have these stories like this in the news, you reach out to the developers and and individuals directly to get their information. And so Danny was able to provide some history and information there. And to me, that's very helpful, making sure that we stay as accurate as possible with the information we provide. But I just can't imagine a future. I don't want to see a future in Linux that doesn't have elementary there because it's been there from the beginning. And I really like what elementary is doing. So I think... We're in for a good ride with elementary. I think there's going to be some good stuff coming from there. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a lot of potential mm-hmm. for the growth. And I also like the, the, you talked about the video that Danielle did for explaining that doing a Q&A. It's like an hour long Q&A kind of thing. It's really good. You, learn, you can learn a lot about what they're going to be doing in the future. We'll have a link in the show notes because there's a lot of great information in that video that we don't have time to cover. So be sure to go to there as well. But let's talk about the next topic on the uh, Twill-ish DL show today, and that mm-hmm. is the Linux kernel, specifically the next kernel that's coming out, Linux 5.18, because there are a lot of hardware enablement improvements, and I know yes. Ryan Woo-hoo. is super excited to talk about this. <laughs> so let's talk about it. Ryan, what are you most excited about? Let's start with that. I mean, you kind of said it, right? There is so much hardware enablement in this latest release of 5.18 RC1. We've got Intel performance monitoring events and tables and drivers. We've got AMD drivers. We've got NVIDIA improvements. We've got networking, media, sound, SCSI. All this hardware is getting enabled in this new kernel. When I see kernel releases like this, it makes me grin from ear to ear, literally, because this is one of the things I push so hard for when I started in Linux, before I even joined and doing podcasts and all this was like, Linux can work on modern modern hardware and it works awesome on modern hardware. We all know it works on the older stuff, but it can work awesome on modern hardware. So when I see this, these hardware enablement pieces being built into the kernel, it just makes me smile ear to ear. One, because I know the latest hardware that I'm going to get is going to get supported by Linux right there in the kernel. But two, I smile ear to ear because I run OpenSUSE Tumbleweed and Arch, which means I get them first. And... <laughs> I get to enjoy them before everyone else. So, yeah, those are my of two reasons. Of course you're going to do that. Of <laughs> yes, course. we knew that. Arch. Did I mention Arch? My bad. I run Arch, by the way. So I, I use Fedora, and they, they get updates pretty quickly. So it's not not as quick. Fair enough. It's true. You know I love Fedora. Quickly. You know I love some Fedora in there. Yeah. Oh, 
And I use all distros. That's <laughs> there you go. Yes. Jill loves them all. Like, Jill loves Loves them all. But I do think this speaks volumes to the popularity of Linux and the growing range of hardware that is getting supported oh, now. Yeah. And it, it's amazing, truly, when you look at my journey from, what, four or five years ago and what was enabled in the kernel versus what hardware works now in the kernel, it's magical. It's and I amazing. think that that popularity of Linux, you can see it for those naysayers out there that aren't sure. Like there's companies, they're investing a lot of time making sure their their hardware and things are working in Linux from the start. And that's just one of the most exciting things to see for Linux. Yeah, like, like the um, new Intel GPUs. That has been written in the kernel for, you know, the last year. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not even out yet. Well, except yes. on the laptops. <laughs> Yeah. Intel, that's one of the reasons we love Intel. When we were talking yeah. earlier, Jill, about getting Intel GPUs, because AMD generally does it right at, sometimes it's a little too late to get yes. into latest releases so and true. things, but at least they get it there. I'm very happy it's there. Don't get me wrong. But Intel, yeah. they prepare for this like ahead yeah. of time. Generally, you get it months before their hardware ever hits the market and things. So I hope they Absolutely. do that again with their latest desktop GPUs. And I'm very excited to see all the Intel and AMD enablement and all the sound equipment and everything else that we use and rely on for this channel. Like having all of that enabled in the kernel by default, it's amazing what Arch can do. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, Linux, Linux, <laughs> Linux kernel. Yeah. Linux. My bad. Yeah. Just there is something clarify. else very cool about uh, the upcoming Linux kernel 5.18. It's going to include support for Tesla's full-scale driving system on chip in the mainline kernel. Very cool. Wow. Very awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> that wow. is very, very cool. You know, you could get a car that has Linux installed on it from default there. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. There. Pretty awesome. I also think that it's fantastic that all this, all this, this all the, every time the kernel releases a new version, there's always something to be excited about. But when it's hardware enablement, it's always fantastic to see because this one especially, like you were saying, there's so much stuff in here. 60% of the entire release is basically improvements to hardware enablement. And there's also, it's not even just new stuff. There's also improvements to older generation of, of, of tech and peripherals yeah. and that sort of stuff too. And that's what's fantastic to see because just, just because it's a new kernel doesn't mean that it's going to be only for new stuff. So that's why I like to see it when distros are constantly keeping up to date with it because you can also improve the existing equipment you already have. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, 3.17 improved support for floppy disks. <laughs> so, <laughs> we know, Jill, you needed yeah, that. I need so, that. Yeah, that is a really good point, Michael. I just want to put a highlight on that is that a lot of individuals will say, well, I don't have the newer hardware, so I don't care about that type of stuff. But there are a lot of improvements that go into the older hardware as well in these hardware enablements. So they're really important for everybody uh, to take a look at out there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And also, just uh, hold on one moment. I uh, think we're we're getting some some breaking news. All right, uh -oh. everyone, stand by, stand by. <gasps> uh oh, some breaking news. news. Okay, okay. So news. I'm getting the word uh -huh. from our production team. We have one of those. Uh, well, it was us two days ago, uh, so it wasn't breaking at all. It's just for the skit right now. That has told us that Ubuntu 22.04 beta snap only is not actually going snap only it's just a bug that they have actually fixed okay Ooh, it was that was close that was yeah. you know what if they're gonna be running we dodged a bullet or a snap <laughs> appreciate you getting us that breaking news in a snap to us michael in yes a snap. Uh, i'll snap yeah. 
So what happened here is Ubuntu released a beta and there was a bug in the store that made everything a snap, I guess, or everything was a snap or something like that. And people were all upset, you know, because they thought this was Ubuntu's move to make everything a snap. And it was just a bug that they're working out. So, yeah, I guess that's interesting breaking news. But right. how am I going to say I'm not going to use Ubuntu anymore if that's not true? Like, I want to <laughs> be able to get out there and be like, oh, that's it. I'm done. Well, oh, I don't you use could, Ubuntu. You could no, anyway, just, you know, like to try other distros. That's that's fine, too. You oh, know? okay. It's nothing. It's, you don't have to hate something in order to not use it. That That's just like for people who think that we use, I, I use Fedora because I don't like Arch Linux or Ubuntu. It's not. It's just I like Fedora. And You're Ryan Arch uses Arch Linux and OpenSUSE because that he can't find the way to get to Fedora. And that's okay. Some people. <laughs> I can't, can't find the path uh, to get there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're worried about Ubuntu going to snaps, well, you can just use um, Popey's a wonderful tool to unsnap on GitHub, unsnap to Flatpak. <laughs> that was really interesting. Popey released a tool that converts the snaps to Flatpak. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Popey. You surprise me sometimes. Yeah, Crazy. you're awesome. <laughs> Just real quick, though, people, it is experimental. So, you know, give it some test runs yeah, before you fully true. do the yeah. process. <laughs> yeah. But also, let's talk about another topic that was uh, this, this the past couple of weeks was really interesting. And I covered on the show of Twill as well. And I definitely wanted to go into more depth here because this is a I'm kind I feel a little bit off by it, but I'm curious what y'all y'all think about it. So Deepin. 20.5 was released and they have a lot of new features the screenshot pinning i think that's actually pretty interesting i haven't had a chance to try it but i do want to try it where you can like take a screenshot and then pin it to the screen and then do all sort i guess something i don't know what that's what i was i want to try it because i want to see what the value is but the thing that is the most interesting to me is this face unlock feature so is it a cool feature or is it a privacy issue or just what do you think about this? Uh, first, let's start with Jill. What do you think about this? Oh, boy. So I'm a little nervous about this. We had talked about this during our meeting, and me and Michael and Ryan couldn't find exactly how they're using our data. And that was a little concerning. <laughs> I think it's a good point because when I was looking through their privacy policy, it's an issue. Their privacy yeah. policy reads like a privacy policy I would expect buying a Microsoft product or a Samsung phone who has one of the worst privacy policies, in my opinion, out there. It's very long. There are pages of it. There's talk about what they do with third-party vendors, what they don't do, what they're capturing, the cookies they're putting on your machine and devices, all of this stuff that you don't typically see in a privacy policy for a Linux distro. So I have big concerns reading through that. The face recognition is cool. I think some people like biometrics and they want to utilize biometrics. I don't have a problem with that if that's your thing. It's not mine as a privacy advocate. I'm not a big fan of it, but I understand why some people want to use that. They have the features built into their laptops and things like that. I know also some corporate environments are kind of requiring biometrics and things to do unlocking or to get into their VPN services and stuff. So I understand the need for it. And I think it's very cool that they're innovating that idea there. Mm-hmm. The problem that I have is uh, when I was looking through this, there's no privacy statement specific to the facial recognition. And I did find a statement that looks like it's officially from Deepin, but I can't actually find it on their website or anywhere official. I can only see it on Reddit posts from users and things like that. And it's mm-hmm. very nice what they say. It basically says the Deepin community is very concerned about user privacy. So at the beginning of the face recognition fe- feature development, 
They chose a solution that's purely an offline mode. It does not rely on any network service and the required neural uh, network model is already pre-installed in the system. When performing the recognition operation, it will directly use the CPU GPU of the local machine for the computing. Basically, they go through all of the things that I would want to make sure would happen if I was going to ever utilize a solution like this. But again, I can't find it on their official page. We searched the forums and I got Jill and Michael involved too. I'm like, help me try to find this in an official manner. I don't know where it came from. But if this is how they're going about it, I think that's very good. Listen, when you're doing something like this, you need to be very open about it. I mean, the mm. open source of open. You need to yeah. absolutely thoroughly provide all the design documents, how it works, let people go in and be able to vet it and all of those things. And I think that they could create a situation. And when you see other distros and things kind of grab this feature and add it in, because I think it would be nice to have it in Linux overall for those who want it. But TLDR is I don't like the privacy policy personally that that distro has. And I couldn't find anything official that sounds that tells me exactly what they're doing or how they're doing this. So I have my reservations on this one. Yeah, it's a very interesting um, idea to be putting into a distro because I know some people would like to use the different biometric stuff for authentication. I don't really like biometrics of any kind, a thumbprint or face recognition or any of that stuff. It's just not my preference. I prefer, I think it actually would be faster to just type in the password usually because I've tried them in the past and they're usually hit or miss in terms of how long they take or if they work at all. So it's probably, the technology has probably gotten better since I last tried it because admittedly it's been a few years, but I'm still not interested in the biometrics in general, but I do think it's an interesting uh, feature for people who want to have that sort of stuff. But yeah. again, that privacy statement thing that Ryan was talking about, I did find the stuff on Reddit. And again, that's the only thing I could find either. And I think Jill had the same experience. Mm -hmm. It was very difficult to find any kind of official, com even commenting on the, fa the face, uh, face recognition stuff outside of the blog post. So on the thread, I requested to see if they had a source for that that message they put on Reddit. And unfortunately, I haven't got a response back as of this recording. If we do get some response for it, uh, we will do an update in a future episode to let you know about that stuff. But I do think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I just I just don't I just don't want to use it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also the deep in desktop is awesome. I, yes. I really like the distro and, yep. and how smooth it is. It's a really nice distro, and I like the fact that they're trying to integrate security more. I mean, we in the Linux community get excited when we have the ability to have a fingerprint reader work on laptops <laughs> in yeah. Linux. So it it'll be really nice to find out what privacy is involved in this. The, the thing with biometrics to remember, too, is there's a lot of issues with the ability for people to make you in the US and US laws utilize biometrics as a way of unlocking your phone legally. Like if police or somebody were to get your phone, your rights do not go along with the biometrics themselves like a password does, meaning they can't force yeah. you to give up a password to get into your phone or your laptop or other things, but they can in a lot of states be able to force you to use biometrics to open your phone, fingerprints, face readers, those type of things. So that's another thing to keep in mind why I'm not a big fan of biometrics here, but again, for those who want it, I think it's cool that they have it there. And Michael, I agree hundred percent. And Jill with the deep in desktop being amazing. Michael, that feature of being able to take a screenshot and pin it because reasons mm -hmm. amazing. B because reasons. Yeah, exactly. I don't I know either. Why do you want to do that? I'm sure it's like, Maybe like an art thing or something. I don't know, but it, uh, it's it's interesting. Reasons. I mean, I I'm curious about what the point is. That's why I wanted to test it out. But that I do. Me up when you said that, You're like, <laughs> it's really cool. You could pin this thing. 
for, for something. something. Yeah. So the Deepin desktop environment is really nice. You can actually use it on other distros. You don't have to use Deepin for using the DE. You can use it on Fedora and Arch and other things. And I think that it's a very nice looking de- desktop environment. And I think they've done a lot of great work there. I also even say that the app store that they made is like fantastic looking. And people should consider that in terms of the design aspects of their own app stores and the other yeah. parts of the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's because it's very nice. But and I, I do want to reiterate the thing that you said about Ryan. I forgot that that was a, a factor of the bi- biometrics because technically it's not something you know. They can just put your finger on the thing and that's okay. And like that, that is another reason why I would highly avoid those things, especially on phones or whatever, uh, or as most of things possible. So it's cool as a feature, as a concept, but you know, it's up to you, the viewer, if you want to try it out or you know look into this stuff any, anymore. So let's talk about the next topic. Oh wait, that's not we're not there's not another. Yeah, we're not the there. Next topic we're done. You. I'm yeah, just so used next... to doing so many topics for the show exactly. that apparently that we're 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 done now apparently. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. So Michael, I actually think Ryan and I did a good job this week. Yep. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yay. And but what we've decided we're going to just let you keep doing the news from here here on out each week on this week in Linux. We're not going to take your show, Michael. We've decided. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We realized how easily we could, but we I was worried to let you know. Yeah. Yeah. I was worried. All right. Whew. But before we move on, uh, we have a couple of questions to celebrate your five years of twilling. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, fun. Let's go with this. So here it goes, Michael. So what has been the most rewarding part of doing twill for the past five years? Well, I mean, I, keeping up with news is fun, but I think the most report, rewarding part is the community that has been grown around Twill and around the network. I think that that is probably the the best part about it. I've got to meet a lot of people. There's been a lot of people who've become patrons, and I dare say it, friends of Aww. mine. I enjoy the uh, community, the engagement with the community, and the forums we have, and the the Matrix channels, uh, even the Telegram groups and the Discord servers. There's so many people who are being a part of this community that make it all the more rich to be in it. So I, I guess what I would say is like, I know it's a little bit kind of cheesy and, you know. You run into be a politician soon, Michael. No, no I'm not. Good answer. I'm not. It's a, it's, it's a little cheesy, no, but it's true. true. It's true. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not going to give you a softball question like that. <laughs> okay. I'm known for my hard hitting questions, Michael. So here's the hard hitting <laughs> question. What news story has recently given you the most anguish or discomfort in covering in the past and why? Well, recently, I mean, I, I don't really have much anguish in the, the topics because I like to pick topics that are, you know, something that I want to talk about, whether it's something I find interesting, whether it's something I like and I enjoyed using or something like that. So I typically avoid any kind of topics as much that are, you know, negative or just hostile in any way because I just don't really want to talk about them in general but not to say that I only cover positive things I cover things that are also negative it has happened and uh, purism is probably the thing that I have the most discomfort talking over I mean I've I've there's times where I would do a show and then I get to the purism topic and the whole show is done in an hour and then the purism topic it takes me like an hour to figure out what I want to say because I want to be fair but also I get a little bit of a, a cringy feel when I talk about it because there's been a lot of stories that are just not great with purism. For just an example, for those who don't know, in his opinion, in my opinion, there's a, <laughs> a lot of stories, reports. So there's been a lot of reports about uh, purism not sending refunds to people 
Now, maybe they just did, did it in a delay or something like that, but there's been a lot of comments about, like on Reddit and things like that about it. So it's just seeing those kinds of things feel, make me feel a little bit sketch about what's happening in that space. So, in our opinions, Purism has yes. not been the most up and up company in the Linux realm and meeting the commitments that they've made. So I could see why that one causes you discomfort. And interestingly enough, in our creators meetings where we bring all the show hosts together to discuss things, there's another host who also loves when you bring up purism on there. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can get a real handful of a rant if you bring that name up. So in any case, uh, I that completely makes sense to me why purism would be a difficult one to cover, yeah. in our opinion. I want it to be great, but in my opinion, they have a long way to go to get to that part. So, yeah, you know, best of wishes to them to get there, but right now, in my opinion, they are not there. So, so on a happier note, though, Michael, what do you hope will be the legacy of Twill? Oh, that's a that's a deep question. Um, yes, <laughs> I'm not totally sure how I would answer that one, except for I guess I would say stools. That I, stools yes, that's more VL <laughs> than it is Twill. But uh, I do think that I would want Twill to be a, a a show that people can learn and enjoy the news of Linux without having to worry about you know finding everything themselves or, and watching like I watch hundreds of RSS feeds to in order to make the show and define all the things. So every single episode, there's anywhere between 800 to 1,000 topics that I'm filtering through, sometimes even more every week, to find the best of the best to put on the show. And if people look at that, if the show as being the the, the quintessential source of you know, how to get the, the GNU's, <laughs> yes, how to get the all the great GNU's of Linux on that week and just, you know, bookmark it, subscribe to the channel, like and subscribe, all that stuff. Smash that like button. Smash it all the time. And all that stuff, I would think that that's probably my my goal of what I hope that it could be for people because that's that's the reason I wanted to do it. I wanted to provide a show that people can go to to get all the news that's most important, at least in my opinion, for the Linux community every week and kind of be caught up within, with like basically 30 minutes or less, sometimes less, so that's kind of the that's the the hope, and uh, maybe I've at some point in the five years of making the show, I've done at least a couple that have accomplished that. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're doing an awesome job, Michael. And there is something I wanted to, to say to you that I was actually very impressed by. Um, your show has been so successful that you were actually. Uh, interviewed on the Floss Weekly show on Leo Laporte's This Week in Tech Network. Yes. That was a major achievement, Michael. That that shows the growth of your show and what a g- good uh, Linux news journalism job you are doing. Uh, that to thank me you. spoke volumes. Wow, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. I I haven't I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, that was a fun <laughs> time to to be on that show and have some conversation with them about how I like why I made the show and that sort of stuff. So thank you for reminding me I did that because that was mm-hmm. a fun experience. And after it is, well, I say thank you for reminding me. It's because, you know, once you do hundreds and hundreds of episodes of any yeah. show, I've, I've not, I've done, you know, uh, if you count hardware addicts, destination Linux and twill, I think it's about 400 now that I've done. So, yeah. You know, it just kind of, you kind of forget some of the stuff that you've you've done over the well. Here's of years. to four more shows. 
four more shows. Absolutely. I'm okay. Four hundred more shows. Four hundred more. Four hundred. Okay. You do an awesome job. Your numbers speak volumes in it. When we look at the numbers, uh, lots of people continuing growing to get their good news from Michael. So happy five year anniversary. Mm -hmm. But I think you missed an answer there because one of the legacies I think you bring to Twill is the fact that you brought Bitwarden to all of those listeners from around the world that look at good news each and every week. And this episode is brought to you by Bitwarden. You can get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash DLN. Bitwarden is a password manager, allows you to have peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure. Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords for you, and even automatically fill in those passwords on login forms so you don't have to. You can access your data across many types of devices, whether using a web browser, mobile device, desktop application, command line even. You have your passwords with you everywhere. Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption before it ever leaves your device so you know you're the only person with access to it. The other feature that Bitwarden has added recently is quite amazing as well, the feature to allow you to switch accounts. So for instance, we have a destination Linux Bitwarden account where me and Michael share passwords for the business, but we also have our personal accounts. Now they've added the feature where I can switch between those without having to log out and log back into a different account and those things. So they're constantly adding new features. And that's quite amazing considering you can get their premium for just $10 per year. You're getting all these additional features, no additional cost when everything else is going up in cost. Gosh knows everything else is going in cost. <laughs> They're keeping it at $10 per year and you get a gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, priority customer support for $10 a year. That's insane. So go and support them, bitwarden.com slash DLN. And we want to thank Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. So in the news this week, I know we said we were going to leave news to Michael, but we have to at least bring one news story in every week, Michael. So we can't leave it all up to you. Oh, okay, fine. Aww. Okay, we can do one. I'll, we'll do I'll allow one it. here. And oh. this one was really interesting. It's the Linux Foundation Scholarship. So we hear from so many people in our community who want to ask, how can I make open source in Linux a part of their careers? Because they say if you're doing something you love, you don't have to work a day in your life. Well, the Linux Foundation has its annual scholarship program open now until April 30th. So you got to get on this. And we hope some of you will take advantage of this and write us to let us know all about it. If you do, since 2011, by the way, the Linux Foundation has awarded over 1,100 scholarships for millions of dollars worth of training and certification for deserving individuals around the world who otherwise would be unable to afford it. So the applications are in a bunch of different categories, open source newbies. You could apply for a scholarship there, teens in training, women in open source, software developer, do-gooder, sysadmin, superstar, blockchain blockbuster, cloud captain, Linux kernel guru, networking notable, web development whiz, hardware hero. I mean, I already am. Thanks for saying so. Cybersecurity champion. Any of those you can apply for a scholarship for in those categories. And what I love about this is that they've opened it up so that everybody who otherwise couldn't afford it has an opportunity to get one oh, of yeah. these scholarships here available to them. I also love Aww. the fact that they have these um, silly names to kind of They're describe awesome, them, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Software developer do gooder. I'm curious what that means, you know, right. and the superstar. I kind of was wanting them to do like the alliteration of saying things. So when they picked cybersecurity champion, I was like, well, that, that, that it's technically alliterative when you see it written down, but I was like, maybe suggest cybersecurity samurai. Yeah, yeah there that's we a good go. one. <laughs> and the Linux Foundation has done so much good work, and 
they really uh, do a lot of work um, for the youth um, to get them training and involved in Linux. Love that. And um, for women in Linux, including uh, my Linux user group, Linux Chicks of Los Angeles. Actually, the Linux Foundation gifts the Linux Chicks of Los Angeles a scholarship every year to attend the Open Source Summit and any of the other conferences we want to go to. Awesome. They are just awesome. And what's really cool is the Linux Foundation training scholarships, otherwise known as Lyft, are, again, like Ryan was saying, open to anyone who doesn't have the ability to afford the training courses otherwise. So it's really, they're doing such a great thing for the community. Kudos to Linux Foundation. <laughs> Yay. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they're doing this to help anyone who wants to get a career in open source in Linux and be able to, you know, provide scholarships and the fact that they're doing it with all these different categories and stuff, I am excited to see what comes from this in the future. Yeah. If you're ready to make that life change, I'm going to be a motivational speaker here. Okay. Now is your time. Don't hesitate. Don't sit there and stare at the foundation form that you got to fill out. Go right now and register. And then Absolutely. when you make it big, Michael, when you're out there in the work world making big <laughs> dollars in open source and Linux, you write us and let us know that we motivated you to go there and sign up for that. Let's do, do it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's a great 80s commercial there. It was. It felt, it felt like Absolutely. an infomercial too. Okay, so this is something so awesome. I can't wait for my Steam Deck. I'm, I'm hoping everyone out Me there too. has is uh, getting theirs very soon or has theirs. So it's been a month since the launch of the Steam Deck, and Valve is showing everyone just how committed it is to this wonderful portable gaming device. Yes. There are now 2,000 verified games to play on the Steam Deck. Woo Think about that for a second. 2,000 games. Amazing. <laughs> I don't have 2,000 in my library, and the fact that, that I could get 2,000 kind of terrifies my wallet, but it's awesome that you can do it on the Steam Deck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you can do that how, Jill? What does it run? Yes, I knew we were going to bring this up. It runs Arch. And really? it runs KD wow. Plasma Desktop I'm so, Arch. I'm so surprised Shot. that Ryan prompted this question. Wow. that's yes. uh, I just nowhere. wanted to he know what ran several... 2,000 verified games. It's just a question, Mike. He's innocent. <laughs> he wrote well, it, it runs several plasma. times that's in our runs. show notes. <laughs> I may have put it in the show notes a couple times. That's my <laughs> yeah. privilege as the person who writes the show notes. Yes. So also something very important Valve has done is the BattleEye and Easy Anti-Cheat now have a streamlined path for developers that choose to enable support for Proton on the Steam Deck. So they make it easy. You click a button. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I love that. I mean, that, that opens the door for so many new games to come exactly. to Linux. Yeah. Beside the 2000 already out there. So now it's really in the developer's hands. If they want to support it, the support's there for the anti-cheat. Yeah, that yeah. is awesome. We got Elden Ring. We got Apex Legends. Ah, more yeah. awesomeness is coming in the future. <laughs> and also the Steam Store is even more responsive and snappier on the deck. And they added the ability to create dynamic collections within your library based on tags and other game characteristics. Which I'm really fantastic. excited about that one because I have yeah. literally thousands of games yep. in my uh, Steam catalog and having those 
tags really helps. <laughs> yeah, being, or, a, being able to organize them in a way, yeah, like I, I can genre. And, they have like yeah. some some organizational stuff of terms of like when you bought it, when you last played it, that sort of stuff, or if it's like Linux supported natively or whatever, that's cool. But being able to have custom tagging and that be able to make your own list yeah uh, yes thank you and i'll have a list where every single one of them contains rocket league for no reason at all <laughs> yeah so i can actually put finally first person puzzler as a tag <laughs> <laughs> that's a good <laughs> because one they always put puzzle games under first person shooters or in a puzzle category but I there's not that. one that says specifically first person puzzlers <laughs> There actually are quite a few of those. I mean, Portal yeah. is a fantastic example, right? Yeah, sure. exactly. Uh, one of my favorite games. And we have so many wonderful games that Portal has inspired, including uh, Cairo is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. And uh, the other cool thing is that Valve has worked closely with Microsoft to bring Xbox Cloud Gaming to Steam Deck users through the Microsoft Edge browser. It's now packaged as a flat pack. And members of the community actually contributed to the Edge flat pack that makes this accessible on the Steam Deck. Nice. So that is just so cool. And a lot of these features you're talking about are things that they've added after the Steam Deck has launched. So I think the whole point of this really is that they're not stopping now that they got a bajillion sales from this thing and like, okay, we got our console out there. Great. Hope everybody uses it, but they're continuing yeah. to add more and more reasons to pick one of these devices up and make things better and better. And that's the kind of support you want to see with a new hardware piece out there that you don't get with a lot of devices anymore, especially if there are companies that haven't released devices in the past, even some that do don't support their devices after they leave the factory, basically. But you can see Steam is pouring in, Valve is pouring in additional resources just to make this better and better experience as they go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right and they are fully listening to the community. They're lis listening to the complaints about bugs and improving the software and the gameplay because of it. They're even, they even listened to Linus Tech Tips when he was having issues with his Steam Deck, and they've fixed a lot of those those problems he had with the software. Including yeah. battery life improvements. And battery life. Like that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, what's really cool is Valve recently sent Matthew Commandon, the creator of Lutris, who we've interviewed here on the show back in December. They sent him a Steam Deck so that he could get his Lutris game manager for Linux working on and optimized for the Steam That's Deck. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. That's that awesome. That was really maker. awesome. Yeah, the Steam Deck, I'm super excited for the Steam Deck, but we got a comment in the live chat. For those who don't know, we are streaming this show live Sundays at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern or 1700 UTC, and we got an interesting question from the live chat that I want to just highlight real quick to Ryan. So from Twitch says, wait, what? I missed it. What does it run? Oh, I'm so glad they asked. <laughs> all of these features that we're talking about here are all thanks to Valve, Code Weavers, and Arch, because it runs Arch. Arch I run Arch, Arch, by the way, Arch. but it runs Arch. <laughs> Arch, also, in case plasma. you missed it. Plasma. It runs KDE Plasma. Which is, KDE Plasma, but Arch. Which is thanks, good. Arch, I mean, for plasma. all you do for the community. Arch is there, yeah. sure, but Plasma. <laughs> So some other features for those who like to tinker, they made TDP processor power, GPU clock control, FSR screen scaling settings, available to optimize power even further. Mm -hmm. And they even have support for dual trackpad Yay. typing and the game mode keyboard is now available in desktop mode. Cause if you didn't know, now you know, you can use it as a desktop computer as well, apparently. So again, once we get ours, we'll be able to 
let you all know a lot more about these devices, but I am so excited to get my hands on one of these. I'm so excited. I hope we get them before scale and yeah. we can all sit there. I know. And oh, that'd be awesome. I don't know if we'll talk to anybody, but they can watch us play our Steam Deck. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, this is maybe like a live uh, a demonstration of the, the value of the Steam Deck. We could we, Actually, they should send it to us specifically so that we do get them and we can take them to scale. I like that. I like that. In our software spotlight this week, we have Metadata Cleaner. Talking about privacy earlier, bring it back here in the software spotlight. Nobody using Linux or open source likes metadata. In fact, many of us came to Linux to get away from all the metadata stuff out there. But still, cameras record data about when and where pictures were taken and the camera that was used and all types of information like that. Office applications automatically add author and company information to documents and spreadsheets. And this is sensitive information that you may not want to disclose. And that's where Metadata Cleaner comes in. So our software spotlight metadata cleaner is the name of the tool and it allows you to view metadata in your files. And then the best part is it allows you to get rid of it. And the tool is available as a flat pack. So check it out, run it against some of your camera images that you have, see what kind of data your camera is storing about that and then delete all that data right out of there. It's a pretty awesome tool. Yeah, that is very cool. I think that the metadata is not always bad, depending on what it is. There's yeah. also a lot of value for it. Wrong. So I keep <laughs> metadata on my photos for uh, for my own purposes to catalog and things like that. I also use metadata for other things. But I did have a case where I needed to do some metadata cleaning. And I didn't know about this particular application at the time. So I, I wish I had. So I'm glad it's being covered on the show. So in the future, anybody who needs to can use it. But the story is that I needed to publish some photos on Facebook. I know, ugh, but I needed to publish it on Facebook to sell a chair that I bought and didn't like and didn't want to keep it. So and also that was really weird because the returning to the company that I bought it from would have cost me more money in shipping than it would be to take a hit on the sale online. So that was weird, but that's what I did. So I decided to do this and I wanted to absolutely strip off all metadata from the images when I put it on Facebook because I don't want Facebook to know anything about me. And I used Mogrify from Image Magic, which is a command line tool. Mm -hmm. And then you put this in the show notes and I thought, Oh, I wish I saw this before. This is hey, way simpler. a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you must have not ended up selling the chair because it's right there behind you in the corner of the stool. No, you no, no, trying no, to get no, no, rid no. of it from I embarrassment or I what? Sold, I sold a chair. The stool is never going away. This never is a okay. this is a a monument to active sitting, okay? Or That's what this toy, is. One or the other. <laughs> well, your your perspective, you, you're welcome to be wrong. <laughs> That's okay. I, I respect your 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 ability to be wrong and your right to do so as well. Ryan, we need to use metadata cleaner to hide all clues of Michael AI. That's what it's for. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, can, can we clean your GitHub repo out with with of Michael AI? You're not like... getting rid of my GitHub repo, which oh, has I think it's the most a fantastic amazing idea. AI ever written. But Jill had a great idea. We need to clean your repo. We need to clean it. <laughs> Why do you think Tesla put their code in the Linux kernel so they could run Michael AI to power the cars? Oh, that there. makes yeah. a lot of no sense. Yes. But let's go to the tip of the week. So if you utilize Vim as your text editor, then you're already a pseudo master. But if you're just learning Vim, then you're probably having some issues here and there because it, it has a little bit of a barrier to entry. Powering off your computer to exit Vim, for example. Some people <laughs> do that. But we won't teach you how to exit Vim just yet. That's a hidden trade secret, as everyone who uses Vim will very clearly tell you. You need to you know, learn the hard way through that one or something. Yeah, part of the hazing. 
It's a hazy, yeah. What you might want to know is that you can password protect your Vim files. So in the command line, you can type Vim space plus capital X space file name. Or if you're already in Vim, you can do colon capital X. So you do need to make sure that it is a capital X because it, the lowercase X does something else. So be sure to, to keep that in mind. And if you are listening to the audio podcast, we'll put it all in the show notes so you can check that out. So I know what you might be thinking. You want to head to some Linux conferences. So Der Hans hooks us up every week with all the conferences going around that you may want to pay attention to. We've got FOSS North, which is virtual April 20th through the 21st. Linux Fest Northwest, which is virtual April 22nd through the 24th. PenguinCon April 22nd through the 24th. Grazer Linux Tage April 22nd and 23rd. Linux App Summit, which is virtual April 29th through the 30th. Red Hat Summit, virtual May 10th through the 11th open SUSE conference 2022. I want to be there. It's in person at June 2nd through the 4th open source summit, North America in personal virtual Austin, Texas, June 21st through the 24th and scale in person or virtual July 28th through the 31st there. And if you attend scale, look for the penguin hat and that will be Jill. There'll probably be a crowd around her because it's Jill. And you can meet Jill. And Michael's going to be there guaranteed Woo-hoo. as well, which we're very excited about. And I may show up hey, as well, Ryan, which you're probably less excited about. But that would be all three of us. And together with our powers combined, we become Voltron. Yes. Yeah, something like that. We become Voltron. We are the circle of friends after all. There you go. We are the circle of friends Ubuntu logo. Or the yes. powers combined. I was thinking like uh, our powers combined. We are... Captain Linux. Yeah. There you That's go. good. Your heart, for sure. I'm definitely heart. No, Jill's heart. Yeah. Jill's totally yeah. heart. Yeah, we can't even pretend. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. No. Well, a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at dlnlive.com. The best part, all of you are invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week, and we can't wait to see you in the chat. Also, we have our glorious patrons right here in our Jitsi room. This is our for our patron post show that's going to be happening right after the recording of this show and every episode we do of Destination Linux in our 60,000 square foot virtual stadium. And also, if you become a patron, you get un- unedited versions of the show and just a ton of other perks that we can't list them all because there's just too much to list. So check out the show notes to get to learn more about how to become a patron because if you get if you become a patron you get all this great stuff. Plus also, check out the deal in store because the dealinstore.com has so much cool swag. We got t-shirts, hoodies, <laughs> mugs, stickers, all sorts of stuff. I see uh, Jill is rocking the This Week in Linux shirt. Ryan's yeah. got the Linux 91 sh- hat on. And he's also rocking a classic Destination Linux shirt. So that we had that for oh, many gee. years ago. I'm not even sure if it's available in the story right now. but That's why it's important for you yeah. to get the gear. Because at some point it becomes OG gear. And then you, when you're walking around at scale or whatever, you got OG gear. We know you've been a exactly. listener for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 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 Make sure to check out all our amazing shows here on the Destination Linux Network. And also a reminder, make sure to subscribe to all our new YouTube channels. <laughs> yes. We have right. the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the Dust Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and put your cowboy hats on and join our Saturday Linux user group, Linux Saloon. And everyone head to destinationlinux.network and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. 
Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Destination, destination, destination. Destination. Woo, love you all. Happy five <laughs> years of Twill, yeah, Michael. Happy five mm. years. You don't get more ice cream. That was yesterday. Don't yeah. <laughs> but I, I already bought it, though. It's still no. there. So I can't. No, throw it out. Throw so it I got to wait. What? Oh, in seven episodes from now, Twill's going to get 200 episodes. So maybe I can have ice cream then? Cool. No, we yes. can't give you sugar anymore. The way this show started with you on sugar was not okay. Was <laughs> I don't not know okay. what you're talking about. Just because I was doing random voices for no apparent reason whatsoever <laughs> does like not mean that I was being weird at all. Like, for example, uh, for those who are not here at the live stream, I'll give you a quick sample. No, no. So, a quick sample. It's important. I would talk like this sometimes. I don't know why. <laughs> it just would happen. And then sometimes I would do a meatwad impression like this. Oh, me, it's, it's meatwad. How you doing, baby? I'm doing our great stuff. How you doing, baby? Exactly, baby. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's Destination Linux. It's the best podcast you could ever see. So join us every week on Sunday, 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern. Thanks, Meatwad. You're welcome. Don't mess it up, Michael. The first line is literally seven words. So Why did you tell me the number? Now it's going to be in my head. Seven words. Can I get past seven words? If you can get seven past words. seven words, come on. Oh, no. Why you got to do that? Yeah. Why you gotta be so rude? <laughs> All right. It is now time to do this. Yeah. Okay, you guys. All right, excited. seven words, Michael. Can you seven do it? Seven words. Is it seven? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ooh, seven. You're right. All right. Unless you count the exclamation mark as a word. Or if you count the number sign as a word. You know, it's like then it could <laughs> be like up to nine if we count those. Yeah, exactly. I can't I get <laughs> Now it's man, too, now it's man, too stressful, Ryan. It's too stressful because we now have to worry People about... People come here for the genius commentary. Exactly. Counting symbols and punctuations. All right, let's go. What are you, a cobra? <laughs> <laughs> are you like posturing to make yourself look bigger or something? I don't get it. Am I supposed to be intimidated? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, honestly, I have no idea what I was doing. Okay, but I, right. but I do know that is now an outtake. <laughs> Nine words. You got this. I think maybe. Uh, uh, I can't do any more because like, we get copyright strike. Are you really gearing yourself up for the nine words? Like, I feel like you're like really. First, it's the cobra pose, and then it's the like singing. Like, <laughs> like you haven't done a hundred and fifty episodes already. Like. I don't know what's wrong with me today, what but I'm, happened? I'm very, I'm very like, listen, I need to talk to everybody <laughs> here. You guys encouraged him to eat ice cream yesterday. This is the result. Yes. Stop <laughs> feeding Michael after midnight and don't give him ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Michael, why? Mogwai? All right, Michael, <laughs> nine words. You got All right, this. Nine word. words. I got this. Except there's a little bit more than nine words because that's only the first sentence. I'm just, I, look, I, at this point, I've set the expectations low to just get past the first sentence. Oh, I'm well, not trying so to, like, nice you know. You. Yeah. Wow. I figure you can cut it together if we get each sentence out at a time. You could just clip it together. <laughs> this time, it's going to be super smooth. All right, well, let's yeah. hear it. Just watch let's how hear smooth it. it is, okay? Let's hear it. All right, let's, let's go. It. You got to count me down this time. All right, and a three, a two. Welcome to episode 273 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Michael. 
I'm Jill. And I'm Ryan. And on this week's episode, <laughs> yes. Oh, you were trying. You were so close. You were so close to having a perfect run. And I knew you were going to mess it up. I just knew it. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, I'm going to edit this part.